Every Sunday, um, Christians and others get up and they make the choice whether they're actually going to attend church. And research in this area, it's interesting when you cross the United States and you ask how many attend church, research would say that about 40% of people state that they're regular attenders at a church. But when they actually uh, add up the numbers in churches that are really participating on a regular basis, that number is less than 20%. See, the fact is about 80% of the people in the United States choose to not be a regular part of a church. And a number of years ago, a survey was taken and they asked the question, why do you choose not to come to a church. And they were given options of multiple, you know, they could, they could answer more than one question. But let me put some of the results on the screen here for you. 74% said there's no value in attending. Churches, 61%, have too many problems. 48%, I do not have the time. 42%, I'm simply not interested. And 40% churches ask for money too frequently. And 34% said this Christian churches hold no relevance for the way I live. And 12%, somewhere around 10, 12%, I'm not sure if a God is there, exists. The church is really not valued by many non-attenders. And for those who study kind of the nature of the church, there's, there's a tension for them because one of the conclusions that they have is that the church is really not that relevant for people, at least how people perceive it. And, and maybe the church is actually losing its effectiveness in penetrating the culture. But there's another issue here that's connected to that, and it's for those who attend a church regularly. And that it's, it's about a core belief that all of us have some opinion on. And let me put up the question on the screen. Why does the church exist? Why is there a church in this world? Why did Jesus create one? And as we stop and ponder that, there are biblical reasons, and we're going to walk through some of those today, but there are also pragmatic reasons of why people attend a church. But how we answer that question, why does church exist, reveals the motives of actually why we get up and come to church in the morning. Uh, about 20 years ago or so, there was a guy by the name of Wynn Arn. And he was one of these guys that did lots of surveys in the church. And he went around to a thousand different churches and a number of questions. But one of the questions was, why does the church exist? And, and let me show you the number one answer. People could pick multiple options. Here was the number one answer that was chosen. 89% said the church's purpose is to take care of my family and my needs. Number one. Let me show you the one that was 11%. 11% said this, the church's purpose is to bring Christ to the world. 
got a problem there, don't we? With such a major difference between the two. Now, has that percentage changed? And I'm not so sure. When you read books on church and leadership of what's being written out there, one of the things that they're finding is this embedded belief into people who do attend church, and the belief is this, is that the church there, in essence, is to meet my needs, but they view it like a club. It's like a YMCA, an athletic club. You come to church to do a little spiritual exercising. It's there to meet my needs. I put my kids in the programming, and therefore it's kind of like that, you know, you leave and you've been rejuvenated. But let me ask you the question, is that really what Jesus wanted for the church? Let me throw up Matthew 16, 18. One of the statements about Jesus forming the church. Look what it says. He's talking to Peter here. I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock. And look at the statement. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. See, Christ set out to build a church and I'm convinced it was never supposed to be a type of club. A spiritual athletic club, spiritual in that sense. See, there are very distinct purposes of why we gather here, of why a church exists. And today, we want to just kind of stop and kind of call each of us back to why does the church exist? And today and next week, that's where we want to kind of go here for the next couple of weeks and step out of the Sermon on the Mount. But if you're taking notes, if you're using that insert there, the first bullet there, why the church exists, I said it this way, to be transformed into the people of God. God wants to raise us up to become his people, a bride, and to make her more beautiful, to transform her. Matter of fact, though, look at Ephesians 2.19. Paul writes this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The church, for those who have put their faith in Christ, are the people of God. And God calls us to come together, to worship together, to be built up together into a dwelling place where he exists and where he resides. But there's a second component to this as well. And on the screen I said it this way. The call, why does a church exist? We're to be responders to the love of God. The church responds to the creator of the universe. But look at the response in Mark chapter 12. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, hear, O Grand Rapids Evangelical Free Church, The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
that commandment. We are the people of God. And everything that we do is to flow from a love relationship with the triune God. And we are to love with our hearts, our souls, our strength, and our mind, to love God and love each other. But let me give you some applications to that love. For your notes there, there's just four of them real quickly. We are to grow up in his love. We're, not, we're supposed to change. That second one, we're to enjoy his love. Man, there is great joy because God loves us. We are to be filled with it. And because of that, that fourth one, we are to become expressions of his love, helping others to experience his love. Do we catch that? See, we must not as a church lose our vision. But today I want to focus more on that last statement. The call to be expressions of his love, helping other people around us to experience that love. But let me give you the, kind of the, the pointed application for today. See, what, what's God's heart for us as we come together, as we meet together as a body? The application is this. We are to become a vessel. A vessel that is used in disciple-making to help others know and embrace Christ. The summary of that, that's the Great Commission. Going, baptizing, teaching to obey. That's the application of the Great Commandment. The Great Commission is the mission, then, that flows out of the Great Commandment. But here's where, for today, I want to drill down and become a little bit more pointed. And there's a verse, it's kind of my theme verse, my life verse, and I want to put that on the screen. Colossians chapter 1, you've heard me quote this a number of times over the years here. Look how it goes. I'm using the New Century version here. This is Paul's purpose when he looks at people. So we continue to preach Christ to each person using all wisdom to warn and to teach everyone in order to bring each one into God's presence as a mature person in Christ. To this I work and struggle, using Christ's great strength that works so powerfully in me. Now, this verse and why it's probably come, become so important to me. This, was, this passage was just drilled into us when Deanna and I first got started working in the ministry. We're somewhere around 25, 26. And other people were coming alongside us and presenting us complete in Christ. And they challenged us, Ken, Deanna, live out this verse. Make it your own. And actually, as I look back, it was probably this passage that actually drew me more into full-time ministry than any other passage. But here's the challenge. This verse isn't just for me. This is the collective of what a church is to become. Vessels that are used to present other people complete in Christ. See, when people are compelled by the love of God, and they jump into the process of looking at people and how can I present you complete in Christ? What happens? 
as the Holy Spirit works and as we depend on the power of the Spirit, people's lives change. Children's change. Students' lives change. And this morning, as we look at how we are supposed to minister, I want to bring uh, Craig Larson and, and uh, Di- is Diana here? Diana up. Is Diana here? Oh, there she is. Guys, come on up. This is Craig and Diana. Craig is the point person for student ministries. Diana is for Sunday school on Sunday morning. And I've given them just a couple of questions to ask. And the question is this. What do you want God to do this fall in your ministry? So Diana, I'm going to begin with you. Ladies first. I would like to see children and Sunday school teachers alike captivated by God's grace through Christ, that they would want to grow in their knowledge of who God is, that through that knowledge and truth, God would give them a great desire to love him and the faith to believe in him and want to know him better, that they would then be compelled by God's great love for them to want to share what they are learning and believing with others that they would truly love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbor as themselves. See, I didn't even tell her what I was talking on today. (laughs) (laughs) Craig, what do you want to see happen? For our youth ministries, we'd like to, uh, as leaders, our first goal is to build relationships with the kids in our church. It's uh, probably the most important thing, actually, as far as um, being able to um, show them Christ and uh, just in our daily lives and being able to say, hey, um, it's not that we need to be friends with all the kids. Hey, well, come on out. But it's that we can show them God's love through us. Um, and the second thing, too, is um, that we want to uh, – I forgot how I worded it the first time. But Vessel? <laughs> <laughs> that was the prayer. Okay. Um, we want kids, actually, it's part of our – our basis here is we want them to belong. Um, we want kids to, when they come to youth group, to go, this is my youth group. This isn't, you know, I go to Grand Rapids E Free Church, and this is where, you know, where I go to youth group. No, I want the kids to, to want to be there and want to go, this is my youth group. This is where I go to worship God. So, um, yeah. What would be some prayer requests that we could pray for you guys? So you got the mic first. I'll let you go, Craig. Um, prayer request, actually, that last application, uh, being a vessel, um, I think that's prayer that for all of us, but as leaders, that we would be a vessel for for Christ to show these kids you know, what Christ is and who Christ is. So as far as leadership role, that we are those vessels for those kids, that we are disciple-making them. So. Okay. Diana, what would be some things that you would want us to pray for you? I would appreciate prayer for myself for wisdom in leading others and then also faithfulness too, to, to lead well. And um, uh, I, I get hit a lot with a lot of um, different things. So if you would just uphold me in prayer, if you think about me, I'd appreciate that to just be faithful to what God has called me to. Thank you. Is there any holes in your ministry at this point? You know, there's a couple holes yet for teachers and helpers. Um, so if you want to see me after the service, um, I'll, I'd love to talk to you. Thank you. Okay. Doug, would you mind coming on up and, and praying for the two of them and 
We just want to uplift them in prayer as this is fall has begun. Kids are buying school supplies. Kids are going off to school today, even for college. But let's pray for these two ministries here this morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for these and the ones that they represent and work with as ministers for our kids and for our youth. And Lord, it's, uh, it's our privilege to bring them before your throne. Lord, as they have asked, uh, we just pray that you would help them to be vessels that you would use to equip young people to grow in Christ, to first know Christ and then to grow in Christ and learn to love him. And, and uh, in turn, uh, you can use them to make disciples, Lord. We pray for them as they seek your wisdom and uh, help in leading we know that we all at times feel that we are inadequate to do the things you call us, but yet we know that you will equip those who desire to serve you. And so we pray that for these leaders. Lord, we just pray that you would bless the ministries here, call many in to sit under their teaching and to learn here. We just ask that you would bless their ministries in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to press an illustration here this morning as we look to become a church that builds each other up. And it's an illustration that's not mine. I don't even know where I came across it a while back. But it's, it's surrounded by two different pieces of clothing. And, and one of them is a bib. And I'll have you know it works with my oatmeal this morning. I tried it and <laughs> see some spots on it. But this represents a stage of development for people. But there's another piece of clothing that represents something similar in one sense, but very different, an apron. And an apron represents serving. This is for the kitchen. But it's also for getting dirty. You can wipe your hands on it every once in a while. But the idea there is that, you understand, is that oftentimes when we come to faith, when we start out our journey with Christ, we start out wearing a bib, but that's never where we're supposed to stay. Yeah, it starts there. It's legitimate, but there's a place where we are to graduate and come to be and put on an apron. And I want to just highlight some things there from this little uh, illustration and go through some points here and just talk about them. And if you're taking notes, the idea of bibs, what are bibs for? And that first bullet was this. Bibs are for people who want to be fed. Think of feeding my kids when they were real young. You know, food would fall on the bib and you'd even pick it off and scoop it back in again. <laughs> but a second point there, bibs are for those who are not yet ready or willing to feed themselves. And for some, that's legitimate, understand. Uh, little children, they don't feed themselves. 
Uh, now, oftentimes when we get older, if we still have a bib on, we want things to be exciting and, and funner, if that's a word. And, uh, but you understand what I'm saying there. A third bullet, bibs are for those who are more interested in being served than in serving. Now, there are times, and I would say this, is that people can serve and even have a bib on. But oftentimes, if that's the case, to be pointed, it's, they're usually doing it when it's convenient, out of convenience, and sometimes even out of guilt. Another bullet. Bibs are for those who insist that the church exists for them and their needs. That's that survey. I want it my way. And I'll be honest with you, at times, uh, you hear this from people and working in a church over the years, you go, I want it my way, I'm going to find somewhere else where I can get it my way. And that becomes the tone of their lives. Another bullet, bibs are for babes in the faith, those who haven't caught God's vision for the church, or those who are not yet of the faith. Now, now here's... Here's the deal. We're probably not growing as a church if we don't have people wearing bibs in a church. Do we realize that? A healthy church includes people. And people coming to faith and and starting to grow in their faith, we need those individuals in a church. Did I miss one there? Good. But... We're supposed to put that aside, and we're supposed to put on an apron. See, God wants us to take off that bib and put on an apron. And and the first bullet, I said it this way, aprons are for those who have a heart to serve others, and, and particularly in Jesus' name. Their lives are becoming about Jesus. And their life is about following Christ. He matters the most. It's not success, it's not money, it's not comfort, it's not pleasure. It's like Paul says in Philippians, for me to live is Christ. See, that's as we're moving to become an apron, or have an apron on us, Jesus becomes central to our lives. Another one, aprons are for those who know and have embraced that they are the church. See, there's a growing understanding that I'm a part of the people of God. And there's a compulsion to be with family, with the people that I love in the body of Christ. And that when you put on an apron, we just can't help loving our neighbor as ourselves. Next one. Aprons are for those who don't mind getting their hands dirty. And there's no task that's beneath them. Aprons are used in the kitchen. And you put that on, and there's different duties, even on, like when we do kitchen stuff here. There's, there's the putting the food out and making it beautiful on a table. But somebody's got to do the dishes. And sometimes that's not as fun. But the challenge is, as we put on an apron, it isn't about fun all the time. It's about what God wants us to do. Next bullet. 
Aprons are for those who take the time to daily feed their own spiritual hunger. See, they don't rely on Sunday morning. They don't rely on just one day a week coming and hearing a message and go, oh, that's my spiritual meat for the week. No, when we put on an apron, there's multiple ways that we feed ourselves. And again, over the years, I would say this, you hear this, but they're not feeding me. That item isn't feeding me. We're supposed to learn to feed ourselves as you grow up. We're never supposed to, someone else, keep putting a spoon to our mouths. We're supposed to change. Learn to become, we chew our own meat at times, even. Next one. Aprons are for those who are growing in faith and desire to help others spiritually. Others grow it's that Colossians 1.29 is when you begin to look at other people and you go, what can I do to present them complete in Christ, to help them take steps in their faith? What can I do to serve them in a way that their lives will change? See, the thrust isn't about getting people to love me. The thrust is saying, how can I love them and be an expression of love to them? and be used by God in their transformation. Last one. Aprons are for those who are willing to set aside their own interests and for the interests of others. This is probably the foundation as we move toward wearing an apron. This is about an attitude a core, deep core value. See, we look to meet spiritual needs, but we're willing to set aside our needs for the sake of someone else. And, and we become consistent givers rather than takers. Now, now, over the years, even as I look at my own life, though, I look back at the many times where I go, I'm wearing a bib. And thinking back to when, at times even, when I was younger, I realized you'd look to the church and you, and you want to go, ah, oh, I don't like what's going on in the church. And we start complaining and we, we share a dissatisfaction. But even as I was thinking of my life, even this last week, I realized there's really two kinds of dissatisfaction in a church. There's the kind that's legitimate, where people are going, oh, I want so much more for the people, for the body of Christ. There's this holistic understanding. And when they're not satisfied because others aren't growing, that's one that's very healthy. But the other one says this, oh, I'm not satisfied because it's just not meeting my needs. And over the years, I can, you can sense that, which side they're on. The, the one over here comes and says, okay, what can I do to help make things better? Move the church forward. The other one here is going, I want what I want. And I go, which one, which ratio over the years between the two? I have to be honest with you, far more on this dissatisfaction, they want what they want. This morning is about challenging us to become vessels serving. 
But here's a reminder. There are many people in this church that are serving so faithfully. And today and next week, and just kind of calling us back to this vision, we have the tables. You notice the tables set out of there. Some of you already grabbed a bunch of goodies off that table to bring in, but which is okay. But here's what we'd like to do is like we want to remember that there's, there's, there's people that are wanting to be vessels and they're used as vessels to building other people up in Christ. And so it's a reminder of those people that are leading in those ministry and some of the needs. And one of the things that you can do, frankly, is thank them. After the service, they're going to be at the tables there. Go to those tables and say thank you. But there's, I don't know, 10 different areas that we've put out there just so there's an awareness of, of how much things, opportunities that we can have to serve the kingdom of God. But I want to close here with a passage from Philippians chapter 2 because it's kind of the summary of that last, that last bullet there. Look how it reads. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being in one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Look at this. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of the others. Folks, this applies so pointedly to us in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset, the same value as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Do you realize from that text that Jesus came wearing an apron. He could do nothing else because he had to do the will of his Father. And he loved his Father. And the Father loved him. And and the Father said, Son, would you become a servant for me? Because I love those people over there. Would you put on an apron and serve them? And, oh, by the way, in that service, you've got to give your life and die that you would help them become children of myself. See, Christ knew the heart of his Father. That is the attitude that we must have if we're going to make a difference in this world. Those 80% people who don't care about church, they need people that are ministering to them. We need people ministering to each other within the body. But i got to say one thing before we go to communion. There might be people here today that you look at this and you go, I just don't want to serve. There's there's this attitude and going, it's about me. 
But just maybe you don't know Jesus. You've never come to that place where you said, I don't know the love of the Father. I've, I've never embraced and understood that God loves yourself. You've never, you haven't believed that. That he actually sent his son to die for you and, and to demonstrate his love that he would die on the cross and take your sins that you might have connection and be reconciled to the God of this universe. And if you've never experienced that reconciliation, I would invite you to it today. And I would just say, you can just bow your head here today and just say, God, I want to know you. I recognize I've been distant. I have never known you. I want to know you today. I would invite you to do that. But that passage reminds us, and I'm going to invite the elders to come on up to serve communion. This Philippians text so points to what we want to just remember today. And I'm going to ask the elders to go ahead and hand out the bread. And there's a a reminder again that he served us by allowing his body to be broken on our behalf. We invite you to take communion with us. If you're new here or you're just a visitor, please feel free. If you know him as your Savior, please join us. We'd like you to hold the elements so we can just partake of together as a symbol of our union in Christ. Let's remember today.